Welcome to the Digital Profits Podcast, where you'll learn how to grow your business faster using paid traffic and SEO. Each episode will feature a breakdown of digital marketing trends and answers to your burning questions that will provide actionable takeaways to make your marketing better. So join us, Ben Page, Ray Sawbell, and Blake John, as we guide you on your journey to higher profits. Remember to join the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com and get ready to profit in three, two, one. Hey squad, I'm here today with Blake. Hey team. And it's a special episode. We're going to talk about what is SEO and how does it work? In other words, SEO, demystified. So this is great if you are busy running your business, you have maybe heard the term before, but never really bothered to go deeper in learning you know, what it means. Or perhaps you think you sort of know what it means, but you'd like to know with greater certainty what it means. This one is for you. And as always, reach out to us if you have questions. We would love to answer those questions. So let's kick it off, Blake. What is SEO? SEO, and specifically search engine optimization, is the process of making your business and really your website easy to find on search. And really specifically, we're talking mostly here about Google search. Uh, It's worth noting that there are lots of search engines, but Google is really the predominant one. We're not as quite as worried about, you know, Yahoo and DuckDuckGo. And I mean, you could even lump Amazon in as a big search engine as well, but we're predominantly talking about Google search today. But it's the process of making your website easy to find on search. Yeah. And one definition I heard or one explanation I've heard recently about search engine optimization is that word, that phrase is kind of a misnomer because most of the action happens on your website, right? You're, I think one thing you said earlier is we're, we're primarily focused on optimizing the content that we put into the world so that the search engine and humans can find it, that it's helpful, that it's relevant to them. So that makes sense. I mean, why should people care about SEO? You know, there's right in in digital marketing today, so many differing opinions about what tactics are going to work best. And some people say social media and post everywhere and post 10 times a day. And some people are, no, just, you know, if you build it, they will come and put out this content on your site. And, you know, some people are all advertising or all email or all physical direct mail pieces. Why should people care about SEO, especially if they have limited resources? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, first and foremost, Google is where your users are, like where your audience is. They're searching for your products on Google to find the products and services that you offer, essentially, right? And I think we have a couple of statistics here, but one of the big one that always stands out for me is that something like 90%, I think it was 92% of all online experiences begin with a search. And if you just imagine like the breadth of that, how many just online experiences are happening on a daily basis um, and how many of those, the vast majority of those are beginning with like a Google search. You want to be in there. You want to be a part of that and you want to be able to, to, to have your website be found on Google search because there's just so much volume and there's so much demand and it's all being siphoned and being started with Google search. Yeah. The fourth edition of the art of SEO, which came out recently cited a statistic that said, I believe something approximating seven and a half billion queries are processed every day by Google worldwide, which is a mind boggling 
amount of Google searches. Yeah, it, it truly blows my mind. The amount of searches that are happening just per second is right. like hard to wrap your mind around. And again, yeah, there's so much volume out there. And then if you're sort of thinking about digital marketing as a whole strategy, I feel I just SEO needs to be a part of that because of the demand, because of the volume, and because that's where your users oftentimes are starting their journey to find what you offer. Mm-hmm. And at the core of it, people turn to search when they need a solution, when they have a question that they need answered. And so to your point, it's become a natural habit, you know, or default behavior that if I need to find a piece of information or solve a problem, I'm going to search most commonly. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's like Google's whole mission is to deliver helpful, relevant content. And that's, they've gotten so good at it in their product and just their search product specifically is superior to all other search products. And that's why it's become habitual for us to just, oh, let me look it up. Let me go. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's just ingrained in, in our nature and our entire culture. And again, that's why you want to be there if you can be there. Right. Sure. And some studies say that organic search accounts for 50% or more of all website traffic and three and four users never scroll past the first page in the search results, which also, you know, that because of the difficulty of pulling that off, you're not going to get there by accident most times. Yeah, most, and I'll be honest, I saw that stat, this 75% of users never to never scroll past the first page. I was surprised it wasn't higher. <laughs> like I thought 94. it would have been closer to like 90, 95% yeah. of people because it's kind of like a joke that we say like the digital market first, if you're not on the first page, you're not there. You're invisible. Right. Because no one's really going to page two. I will say too, though, just as like a caveat, Google has sort of rolled out like the infinite scroll. Yes. Which is interesting, I guess. And it, it is not so, so recent anymore, to be honest, but I've noticed just in my own searching habits that sometimes I'll like, I'll end up, I'm like, oh, this is the 11th result. I right. haven't seen one of these in a long right. time. <laughs> Your scroll depth increases yeah, because yeah. of the change in the layout. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So ultimately, hopefully this makes sense, right? Connecting the dots, people turn to search when they need solutions, products, information. Search accounts for half or maybe even the majority of website traffic online. Most users are looking at the first page and even more disproportionate the top of the first page as the best answers for them in most cases. And the difficulty of getting those top positions because of the competition for those spots has increased year on year on year, as well as the different kinds of formats that appear in the search engine results have changed over time. That's why you should care because there's a massive opportunity, a massive business opportunity. And because if you don't take action, it's likely that someone else wants that top spot and will take action. (laughs) And in which case you'd be missing out on a ton of visibility, traffic, conversion, sales, you name it, leads. So it's important. So let's break this down, Blake. How do search engines work on a very high level? There's really three core processes that happen from a search engine's perspective, right? And how they actually work. There's crawling, indexing, and serving results. And so starting with crawling, the one thing that Google does and and all search engines really do is they send out what we commonly refer to as a spider, like crawling the web, just a bot that just goes out and literally finds all of the information that it can. And it's doing this all the time constantly to build a huge, massive database of information of web pages of different kinds of media so that they can then index that information. And this is the part now, this is sort of phase two in in the process where Google is kind of, it's got this database now, it has to sort of 
analyze, organize, assess that content, that media, so that I can serve it in search results, which is the third phase. Uh, and that's where, you know, when you enter your query, you'll see it. And all that magic is happening at like lightning speed. That was like hard to fathom. But, you know, when you search something in it within a quarter of a second, I would say probably you're getting literally thousands of results. That's kind of what that looks like. So it's crawling, indexing and serving content throughout the web. Like that's the core processy for Google and how, how it really works. So to kind of rephrase that or rehash it, it's, you know, imagine a software bot, a software agent is going on the internet and it has like a website as a starting point and it clicks all the links on that website and it figures out how many different pages there are. And then it kind of reads all the words in the page if it can in the code and it tries to understand what is this really about? And then, oh, there's a link to another website here. Let me click on that. Now, what is this one about? And as it does that, and as it understands the words and the different code on that website, it's like on the back end, it's got a library in a sense, Mm -hmm. right? A huge library with different categories, different shelves for different kinds of topics. And then once it's identified a new sort of piece of content on a given topic, it says, this is helpful. I should take this helpful piece of information and go put it in my library on the shelf about koalas. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty in-depth. So it's going to go on this top shelf over here, you know, in this section. And then it makes kind of a record of that. And then in the future, when someone searches for koalas, it might look at all of the information it has on koalas and say, well, based on the way this person's searching, I better return that thing I found about koalas before. That was really helpful. Let's see if the user likes that, if that helps them to answer their question. Yeah. And to add to that, I'd like to think the library analogy is great. And I like to think that there's for every, the library example, you have to imagine millions of shelves and rows of shelves, but at the end of every shelf or at the end of every row, excuse me, is like an end cap. And that's page one. It's sort of the way that I always sort of imagine this. And like, there's a shelf just about koalas and it goes, it's a million books deep, literally, but there's only 10 in the end cap because that's what Google has surfaced. It's the best of. It's the best of the best. This is what users find most engaging and most helpful, et cetera. This is what we've, when we've analyzed it, this has risen to the top. And that's, but yeah, that like the analogy, you just have to imagine like truly how vast that library would be. Google's organized it all. And then at the end of every row is an end cap with the best of the best. That That's page one of Google. That's awesome. Because now <laughs> I can picture that and having that model in my brain is so helpful. And then I'm thinking about the different librarians that are walking around as maybe different different of these agents or these bots mm-hmm. or these algorithms that based on the kind of search, they're going to go to different sections and pull out different books from the end caps based on what they're trying to solve. Right. And there's like so many little nuances to every query, which we'll talk about in a little bit with like, and you know, maybe this is a good transition actually right now, but it's understanding like that user's intent in their needs. And you might just search, if you just search koala or like, um, what do koalas eat? Those are two very different searches. There's obviously some similarities there, but they're going to have likely have different search results because one might be more specific about the nutrition, the diet, how to, you know, how often they eat, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas one might just be more general about koalas, where they live. I don't know how often they breed, total population, just things like that. You know what facts. I mean? Facts. Just general facts, et cetera. Whereas one is like, this is everything you could ever want to know about a koala's nutrition and their diet. Whereas one is just general. And so like, those are two rows of library books with two different end caps now that you can optimize for and you can build content around. Now let's 
this is clicking. I'm taking your metaphor and I'm, <laughs> I'm evolving it a little bit. So at face value, you know, taking the koala thing, if someone enters the one word koala into Google at face value, that's an ambiguous search mm-hmm. because again, we don't know their intent. Do they want general facts? How many koalas are there? What colors are koalas? Do they want Where to do buy they a live? koala? Do they want to buy one? <laughs> do they need to feed one? Yeah. Do they just want pictures of koalas for a school presentation? Whatever the case might be. So at face value, that's an ambiguous query. But back to our library, imagine that the librarian, when you walk in there and you go up to the front desk and you just look at that librarian and say, koala. <laughs> Imagine that librarian knew every other time you've been to the library, everything you've ever searched, and even more about you, because they also have access to your personal mailbox at your home, and the media that you consume, and behavioral statistics about what you do in other libraries. Now they can actually try to disambiguate or give meaning to your one word koala, but that's kind of an aside, you know, so just keep in yeah. mind that what that was a metaphor for personalization, which is happening in conjunction with this basic query type discussion. But, you know, so what are other kinds of keywords? We talked, you know, informational. What if I put in buy koalas online? So yeah, there's really four, like, I think there's probably more than this truthfully, but generally speaking, we in, in the SEO, we sort of lump search terms into four buckets, into like types of search intent. That's navigational, commercial, informational, and transactional. If you were looking to buy a koala, which I don't know how that, I don't I guess I don't know that process very well. Maybe it's worth a Google search. Probably not even legal. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, you might be a zoo. I mean, zoos probably use Google. They buy, there's transferring happening. Yeah. But that would be a transactional search term. And generally speaking, those are easy to spot. Generally, it can get a little more nuanced with like informational and commercial where you're kind of Google will send sort of mixed intents on a search result page, which it's important to mention too, when anytime a user searches a query, Google will deliver the results based on essentially those four intents. Yeah. Types. So if, if they understand that users who search this query are oftentimes just looking for general information to learn about koalas or learn about gardening or whatever the topic is, they'll send a, a blog post with a bunch of information that you can read up on and learn about that topic. Whereas if you search another query, say like gardening tools, now maybe they're going to send you to an e-commerce website where you can actually purchase, um, I don't know, like a rake or whatever it might be, right? I don't know, like weed pulling tools and stuff, whatever gloves, you know what I mean? Like equipment, supplies to garden. So those intents are really important when understanding how search really works and what kind of results that you see on the web when you perform your own search, because ultimately Google will generally categorize the search results into those four buckets. That makes sense. And additionally, there are different kinds of search results. There are websites, there's maps, images, shopping, news, video, you know, there are multiple different kinds, which again, are delivered to people based on the kind of search and the specific search and their past searches. So keep in mind, there are multiple ways that you can be visible online. And increasingly, there are what SEOs call zero-click SERPs or search engine result pages. So you have to kind of keep those in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say too, a lot of times you'll see certain SERP features based on the the intent of a query. So if it's, you know, more like if you just Google koalas, again, going back to the example, you're likely to see images. Wikipedia, Uh, images, 
like the image carousel, et cetera. Yeah. If you Google a celebrity's name, great, really high probability chance you're going to see an image of that celebrity with, they also have like a carousel of like similar celebrities or other celebrities that people search. Also search for. Yeah, also search for. And that's another one too. People also ask for. That's another SERP feature that's just really, really common, especially in informational search queries. There's lots of things that you'll notice to help sort of help you sort of understand what type of intent a query uh, fits into, whether it's informational, navigational, uh, transactional, or commercial. Yeah, that makes sense. And ultimately, that search engine, it wants to deliver the best answer to that user as quickly as possible. Because going back to that idea of how do you keep people using your product, make it easy, make it fast, make it helpful. You know, and those are some of the principles that are being engineered for, designed for from the search engine side. So now we understand a little bit about how people search. We understand a little bit about keywords, how search engines work. Let's talk high level. How do you do SEO? Like what does quote unquote, an SEO professional, you know, do day in and day out in order to improve visibility in the search engines. Yep. There's really like three core pillars that I like to call them for SEO and how, and like, again, specifically now we're talking about like how you actually do SEO. There's technical SEO, on-page SEO, and off-page SEO. I don't think we're going to go in too great of depth about technical SEO, but it's important to mention that really the most important thing from a technical perspective is to make sure that there's no issues with your site that would prevent Google or any other search engine from crawling and indexing your content. The really most obvious one is like a no index tag, which says to Google, like, hey, literally don't index our website. I have seen whole set like websites with that that shouldn't have been like that. Another issue like that, and again, we won't get into too much stuff, but like improper use of canonical tags would be another issue that could really prevent a Google or Google another search engine from indexing your site. So we're talking about things like literally pieces of code that can exist on your website that could prevent that search engine from entering it and going through that process of clicking the links and reading the words and figuring out the images, right? Because if you don't have that, then everything else you do is for naught. Right, exactly. So getting that right is really important. And then going to the the next phase here, it's like on-page SEO. That's really where, you know, I'm personally living most of the time. That's because, you know, 80-20, I think that's where a lot of the opportunities come out of, especially when you make sure that technical underpinnings are all good and ready to go. On-page SEO is really now we're talking about the actual content, the user experience on the website. And specifically, that's things like the headings of a website, the title tags. And title tags are quite literally the the blue link in Google that you click on when you see an organic search result. That's the title tag. So Google puts a lot of weight. And there's various things on the page, on every page that can, that have like different levels of importance that Google will sort of assess and analyze to understand how good of a job your site or your page does in answering a user's question. But ultimately, like that's the core of, of on-page SEO. Off-page SEO is really more about your like external profile. So some good examples of that that are really, really important. One is our backlinks, which we should absolutely mention. And these are links from external websites pointing back to your website. Over the years, it's, it's my, my, there's some debate about this, but it's my opinion that backlinks have become less and less important. They're, they're still very important, but they've become less important. But those are a, a really big part of off 
page SEO. Other off-page SEO examples are things like your Google business profile, which is obviously a very important, especially if you're a local business, a very important component that you need to consider. It could be directory listings. It could be your social media profiles. All of that would be considered off-page SEO that, you know, some of those like like social doesn't necessarily have a, a huge impact on SEO, but it can actually play a role and it can be a factor when Google is sort of evaluating your domain and your authority just as an overall like like unit. Yeah. And to make that, I don't know, more real for folks, it's like if you identify some of the keywords you want to be visible for in the search engine results, with off-page SEO, we're talking about all of the results that are not tied to your .com website, essentially, whether that's in that map section through Google business profile or like Blake, you mentioned directories. So think of yelp.com or even right facebook profile instagram profile you know some of those things because again if it's a high value high potential keyword for your business it's relevant to what you do you can help the people searching for that you want to try to appear as often and as highly as possible in that search engine result for that keyword and that's what off-page seo is all about absolutely yeah what else I think it's important to mention if you're doing SEO, like one of the core processes, and this is sort of like a, we we talked about keywords and queries and whatnot, but keyword research is just one of the most like foundational parts of doing SEO and how to do it right. And that's the process of of literally just going to usually use a tool like SEMrush, Ahrefs, or Google Keyword Planner to find the search terms that your users are entering into Google that you would be relevant for that are relevant to you. I mean, then kind of going back and and we talked about search intent and going back into understanding, okay, what kind of intent does this keyword match with? And then so how can we build a piece of content that meets that query's intent so that we can, again, build content that is helpful and relevant to the user? That's like such a core process that I, I would be, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think maybe in a great ending note is the mindset. This is an ongoing process. A lot of people maybe have the mentality that it's something where you do like a blitz or a sprint and you level up your SEO and you optimize the pages on your site and then you get better SEO, which may or may not be true. I mean, we do these things like developing and promoting content with sort of a scientific approach where we want to study the results of our improvements and over time try to understand which types of improvements lead to the best results for us, but it's ongoing because the search engine results are always changing. User needs are changing. Your business is changing. Your competition is changing all the time. And so it's always evolving and you always need to put effort into it to get the result that you want, or certainly to get a better than average result. Yeah. And another analogy to sort of bring that point home is that is actually gardening is, is the one that I like think of. And I think this is why this was, I think I brought up gardening before because I sort of had this analogy in mind already, but with gardening and I'm not a big gardener, so like don't take this with a grain of salt, but you have to like prep the area. If you're just starting fresh, imagine you have to sort of prep the area, get it all right. You might have to do some like weeding. You're gonna have to add new soil, et cetera, et cetera, to, to do sort of lay the foundation. And then there's a constant watering, pruning, you pull more weeds. Those are always going to pop up. And it's in, if you garden it, like it's unlikely that you just plant the seeds and then never come back to tend to it, right? 
SEO is the same way. You can't just sort of plant the seeds. You can't lay the bed and then hope it will grow. And in next year, it's going to look great. Like, no, there's going to be weeds. Some of the plants are going to be dead because they needed to be tended to and watered and pruned and et cetera, right? Like SEO and your website, it's the same thing. It needs constant inputs to get better outputs. So if you want to plant the seeds of SEO for yourself and you need help tending your SEO Zen garden, reach out to us at 2100digital.com. Hit the contact us. Let us know how we can help. We're here for you guys. And thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Your support means the world to us and allows us to help more people and grow the community. Please take a minute right now to subscribe and share this wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for the Profit Squad at joinprofitsquad.com. This will get you insider access, additional tools and swipe files, and help you elevate your marketing game to the next level. Thank you.